This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Once again, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Wednesday, September 8th. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the official bandwagon welcomer for BYU Athletics, Jerem Jordan. Okay, we have a new uh, bandwagoner to uh, add to the fold besides Grogu. Uh, Will Moppin says, I have to admit, I've become a fan of BYU football. Will uh, covers the West Coast Conference basketball on uh, social media. I tried to stay ambivalent, but last season won me over, and even though I knew the better BYU was, the sooner they'd be gone from the West Coast Conference. Y'all got me. I don't know how I feel about this, though. Will, welcome. Welcome. Soon uh, we will be in the Big 12. So exciting times, man. Is he having mixed emotions, obviously? Yeah. Because of the basketball You know what we haven't talked about at all is, oh, sorry, WCC. But that's what it's going to be. Ten years in the WCC. Ten years. It's been an incredible run. It really has. Um, It really has. There's a little bit of a stunner coming out of the West Coast Conference in terms of breaking news yesterday. We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before we reveal your show lineup. How does the pending Big 12 invitation and scenario impact your feelings about the BYU-Utah rivalry game? Riley Nelson's going to sound off on that. And did Kalani Satake call his shot yesterday? Deep Blue with Mason Wake is unbelievable. Loaded show for you. Now bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU in Utah is three days away. What? Head coach Kalani Satake says... He wants to see an aggressive performance from his defense Saturday. I would probably go a little bit deeper into the equation, and that means that our defense needs to needs to match the intensity and, and create some turnovers on our end as well. I think sometimes the whole focus is on the offense making mistakes. I think defense, we need to uh, create some, some havoc and, and try to find ways to help relieve our offense from, from you know making mistakes by, by creating turnovers and short fields for ourselves. Catch both BYU TV and BYU Radio pregame shows, two-hour editions. Radio is two hours every week. Uh, TV is two hours this week again, Saturday night. BYU football receiving votes in both major polls. Not ranked, but receiving votes. You know who is ranked? Their opponent on Saturday, Utah. Number 18 in the coaches poll. BYU, if it were above 25, Jerem, would be number 31 in the coaches' top 25. Because that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yep. In the AP poll, BYU 13 spots out, or number 38, Utah number 21. If BYU wins, I think it will be just out in the AP and, and in the coaches. You don't think they'll be because, ranked if they beat Utah? Well, 13 out feels like a big jump, uh, but maybe BYU's in. Who knows? I don't really care. If BYU beats Utah, I'm happy. Yeah. I don't need the top 25. If BYU's in the Big 12... I may not even care about the result of the game. Ooh. Like, yes, yes, we'll talk about this. BYU women's, of course, we'll care. Just how much. BYU women's soccer drops from 14 to 22 in the latest United Soccer Coaches Bowl. United Soccer. They're not all uh, United. That's funny. Cougars play at Utah Thursday night. And as promised, some news out of the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga basketball head coach Mark Few issued a citation for driving under the influence Monday night just north of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. According to that report, few exhibited several signs of intoxication and refused to complete a field sobriety test. 
His blood alcohol content samples were 0.119 and 0.120. The legal limit is 0.08. Few issued the following statement yesterday, and I quote, I believe as a leader and role model, I am expected to set only the best example. The decisions I made yesterday do not exemplify that standard, this standard, and for that, I sincerely apologize to you all. I recognize that operating a motor vehicle after consuming any amount of alcohol exhibits poor judgment. He continues on, but this is a bit of a shocker, Jerem. Yeah, uh, this happened. This isn't uh, you know unique to Gonzaga. It's happened to BYU athletes, obviously Neil Powell a couple years ago. And uh, here we are with Mark Pugh. Yeah, he finished that statement by saying, I'm exceedingly grateful to those who continue to offer support to me, especially my wife and children. Thank you. I mean, I, I appreciate the apology. I think Mark Pugh is a stand-up guy. This is just an unfortunate situation. Yep. All right, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. We presented the question in our show lineup, Jerem. Has all of this news of the Big 12 expansion coupled with BYU and Utah not playing for two years after this year affected the way that you feel about the rivalry game? Yes. And the fact that BYU's lost nine in a row. If BYU had won nine in a row, we'd be stoked. We'd be like, ah, 10 is coming to the whole thing Utah's doing. Yes, uh, I think it does. BYU-Utah means so much to us. It really does. Uh, when I first came, moved to Utah, the first BYU home game I went to was the 95 Utah game. And then I went to every game, except for my mission, through 2012. Why not since 2012? Well, I was producing Kenda in the kickoff, so I was here and unable to go to the game. Uh, I, was, I was working that night. Um, this game is so big, and it means so much, right? But, but... Uh, I feel I feel like the Big 12 news is going to supersede any result that happens. Okay, it could be an all-time finish, and it will be a massive deal. Like the only way you could top Beck Tarlene or like Lavelle's last miracle or fourth and eighteen or whatever is if you won on a hail mary. You know what I mean? Like Nebraska SMU style. <laughs> you need some type of dramatic yes, finish to the game. Yes, I think that 2015 Vegas Bowl. Kalanistake hiring thing is going to happen again. That really stung, but it stung less once the news was happened right after the game that Kalanistake was hired. It's like, oh, now we're on to the next thing. We're pushing forward. I think that will happen with the Big 12 news. Should BYU get an invite and there be a formal press conference, you know, early next week or something, we'll see if and when this, or not if, but when this happens. I think that the result of the game will be in some way diminished in a way that we haven't really felt since the Vegas Bowl because of how big this news is. And then you mentioned the other thing. Florida is going to play. So Utah says we're going to play an ABC schedule. We have an A game, a B game, and a C game. The BYU game is the A game in non-conference. They want to take it easy in non-conference. Guess what? I feel the same when BYU's in the Big 12. Play Utah and then play a whatever FBS and then maybe an FCS because you're going to play a ton of tough competition. If you want to sign up for a, a big boy game later, yes, you're playing a bunch of big boy games. You don't need the a bunch of A games. Do right? you keep Boise State? Do you keep I, Utah State? Conversation well, for another day. Boise State to me is an A game. Yeah, it's not a B game. So I, I don't know. But yes, a good conversation later. It is interesting because I think there's some swirling winds in this sunny landscape that could affect how you're feeling about the weather, if you will, about BYU Utah. It's an interesting week. 
It feels like the Power Five invitation. Again, not official. We think it's going to become official very soon, but certainly not official. Is a barrier or a soft landing spot if BYU loses to Utah. It's like, well, shoot, that stinks, but we're going to the Big 12. You know, it's like this blanket of comfort that BYU fans are mentally preparing for if the Cougars lose this game. I think even if BYU wins, that, that, that will supersede that even, honestly. Yeah. I think no matter what happens against BYU and Utah, that the Big 12 news will be the big resonating emotion and feeling. Other than the people that deal with Utah neighbors that remind them every day, I think you're is right. It, isn't, but isn't BYU to the Big 12 a bigger win than even beating Utah? It certainly right? is. Isn't it in that conversation? people get caught up in the emotion yeah. of having to deal with annoying neighbors that we have pointed out are like Daryl. Okay. If our lives are dictated by annoying neighbors, then we got bigger but problems. But op- it often is when it comes to I'm speaking like generally. This. Right. Yeah. But you're I mean, the bigger picture, yes, it's not close. We agreed on that yesterday. But when people are stuck in the middle of Utah fans constantly reminding them nine times in a row, ten's coming. Oh, now you got to sit on it for two more years. Like just play the pack how many Pac-12 titles do you have again, Card? Right, you go back and the forth. same amount of Power 5? You go, you go back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there is, understandably, an added measure of urgency for BYU sure. because of the hiatus. Because then that BYU hasn't beaten Utah in 4,000-some-odd days, that yeah. grows to 5,000-some-odd days. Yeah. You know? That's annoying. So there's urgency there. It is annoying. And I was talking with a fan from Utah. He's a Crimson Club member. He's a longtime friend of mine last night. And he said the game between BYU and Utah has become more of a relief thing for Utah fans. Oh, because they, they want win, to keep that streak going. If they win, uh, it's a relief. It's yeah, not like, yeah. ha-ha, yeah, we won the game! They expect to win. They expect to win. Yeah. So it's like, oh, whew, relief. I would love for BYU to get into that position. And it's That's almost, a good problem. It's almost like how BYU fans feel about playing Utah State. Yeah. Where it's like, ah, oh, good win, relief. On to the next. Well, I don't feel relief. Yeah. I don't. Well, yes and no. I don't feel relief when beating Utah State. I expect to beat Utah State. There's no. Sometimes they beat BYU. Okay. Do you feel great celebration in beating Utah State? No. Utah fans no. at this point, according to my friend, who is, again, longtime Crimson Club member, do not feel great celebration anymore. It's relief that they get to keep the streak going and they don't have to listen to BYU fans be annoying. Uh, they're about to when BYU gets in the Big 12. I'm sorry. That's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that will happen. But, again, they can hang their hats on, oh, 10 in a row and 13 years in a row or whatever. Okay? So yeah. th- there are, like, cool. there are emotions pulling in different directions. Yeah. So urgency for BYU to win. Yeah. But comfort blanket in that we think the Power 5 invite is coming. I think it's going to be comfortable either way. It's just how It's just, like, extra soft or soft. Because BYU to the Big 12 is the biggest news in BYU sports history. It's, and it's coming up literally in maybe days. And if BYU beats Utah, obviously we're going to be elated. But it feels like this game and the lead-up to this game, in the, in, the, in the quota of emotional and physical space you could fill BYU football up with, a lot of that has Big 12 right now just stuffed in there. So it's really interesting. I, I didn't anticipate the three days out. We wouldn't be juiced as freak about 
the Utah game. I'm excited. You know about what it. I mean? Yeah, I am yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. But it's, but it's not like let's go. You know, it's not. It doesn't feel the same this week because of the Big Twelve stuff. You're more excited about the Big Twelve. I'm way more excited. I'm Shep over here, man. I'm so excited. Okay, so this is the the shaping of potential best week ever for BYU athletics. Yes, if BYU upsets Utah, it's I'm t- and then the invitation yeah. comes. I'm like, telling you, that could be the best week. It's ever. still one of the best weeks ever, if not the best week, because of the what it means to BYU sports. One single game against Utah. But it's not I just, want, and it's, it's the nine-game losing streak that factors in. You don't, I understand all well, of that. It's not just another game, right? Not just another it's, rivalry. But it's a, it's, a, it's a single game compared to the Big 12 invite. Yes. It's, What's the difference between 9 and 10? There's not much. Well, we're, used, we're unfortunately, sadly, terribly used to this. 12 years okay? becomes then 15 years. That's the difference because of the hiatus. We'll, we get, we'll get over it the moment there's a press conference. We will be over it. Not saying that most won't, but yes. it's the difference between potential best week ever and, well, that was a great week, Power 5 and, you know, expansion. Amazing. It's, beating Utah would make it the best. Yeah, to me, it's more than that. Okay. To me, it's, to me, it's just elation regardless of result. Obviously, we want BYU to beat Utah. Obviously, we want the streak to end. But there are bigger things at play than those weirdos 45 minutes away. How do you feel about it? Our question of the day. Has the news of Big 12 expansion and the pending two-year hiatus affected the way you feel about the BYU-Utah rivalry game this year? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. David Tenney answers on Instagram. No. The desire to beat Utah has always been at a very high level, no matter what dynamic of either school is. Yeah. L- listen, I'm not saying it's not a big deal or matters. What That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the Big 12 is just like even more. The, one of the greatest games in BYU-Utah uh, history was when neither were headed to a bowl game. It was 2000. That's one of the greatest. The context of the game always adds to it, but if it's only these two teams and they were 0-11 and, and it was the last game of the season, it would still be incredibly meaningful to both sides. At Cougar A70 answers on Twitter, can it get stronger than with every fiber of my being? <laughs> David Nixon level. Th- didn't they take that out of the missionary handbook a while ago? I have no idea. <laughs> if so, then yes, additional opportunities may be seriously curtailed. It will be more difficult to schedule Utah so let's blow them out this Saturday. 56 points sounds about right. Blue goggles, anyone? Yeah. I'll take a one-point win. I really will. BYU hasn't beaten Utah by more than one score since 96. So 20-point win. I'm not uh, picky. I just want a one-point win. Trust me. And it's Wednesday. Again, Thursday and Friday, all of a sudden, I'll be like, what was I saying Wednesday? Like right now I have like a rational Big 12 take. On Thursday and Friday, it will become irrational. All it takes is one text to rile me up from uh, a, like a Utah fan that I know, or my stepdad, but he's nice about it. He knows. He knows which lane to stay in relative to this conversation. At Jeremiah underscore Hale on Twitter, half of my heart feels more urgency, there's that word urgency, to mm-hmm. beat Utah because sure. of what's on the line. Yep. The other half is prepared in the event of a loss <laughs> to justify that the Utah game doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> 
as BYU moves maybe, on to bigger and better things. Maybe I'm in defense mechanism node mode to protect against potential loss. You're not alone. I'm in like, that. hey, it, it doesn't matter. A lot matter. of people are. It's the in-state game. You know what? Kyle was right. A lot of people are already in defense mode. Yes. That's the comfort blanket of the Big 12 invite. Played a soundbite from Kalani. He wants aggressive defense. I want someone, by the way, to come out one day and be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be passive defensively. We're just going to lay back. Hopefully they don't score on us. Everyone's always aggressive. Everyone's always up-tempo. No one ever says, yep, we're going to slow it down. Hashtag BYUSN <laughs> if you want to join the social media conversation. Coming up, a new Deep Blue featuring Mason Wake. And Riley Nelson, former BYU quarterback and current radio analyst with Greg Rubel, will join us to discuss if he feels differently about the rivalry game because of all of this Big 12 madness. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Counting to kickoff live 8 Eastern Saturday night, two-hour edition as we get you ready for BYU and Utah. Dave Campbell, Fallon, David Nick, Spencer Lynch, Keith Solano hanging out at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's going to be awesome, man. Cannot wait for this Saturday night. We are live in Studio B midweek with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton. That is Jerem Jordan. Joining us now is a man that knows how to break down a football game for sure and certainly a rivalry game. He's played in them. He's won some. He's the always fabulous Riley Nelson. Riley, welcome to Rivalry Week amidst Big 12 chaos. How you feeling? As optimistic as ever and as desperate as ever to not let the streak get to the double digits. Okay, so let's talk about that. Jeremy and I were just discussing the impact of what we think is going to be a Big 12 invitation, maybe as early as late this week, if not early next week. Is that blanket of Power 5 inclusion enough of a comfort to make how you feel about the win or loss against Utah any different? No. To me, it has the opposite effect. There's more urgency around this game because I don't know what the new Big 12 or their schedules, what non-conferences look like. I feel like with BYU being independent, and Utah in the Pac-12 with a nine, what's, what's currently a nine-game schedule, I feel like that already, with BYU being free, oh, well, more free than with a conference to be able to schedule a non-conference opponent or a team like Utah and basically be able to say, hey, take your pick of weeks. Now, all of a sudden, you get to a conference. And if the rivalry becomes more intermittent, to me, that's all the more urgency to – I mean, obviously, we have to claw our way back from, going, from you know the recent performance. Forget the streak, just – since 2000, it hasn't been great for BYU, so we got to claw our way back to even out the score that way. But priority number one is just get the streak over with and get a, a win chalked up uh, in the column uh, t- this this year. Like, get it done sooner than later. There's no time to waste. Yeah, I, I think I'm in defense mechanism mode. Uh, that way I don't get hurt too much emotionally if it gets to 10, <laughs> where it's like, hey, Big 12, who cares about that? But BYU-Utah obviously matters so much. It matters so much, yet it feels like because uh, BYU has this pending Big 12 invite that, hey, there's bigger and better things. Riley, we're starting to think like Utah has the last decade, which is, well, it's the in-state game. It could get weird quick. Most definitely. And listen, I 
I am fully aware of all the great opportunities and future that lays out joining a conference like the Big 12. But I also was one of the ones leading the charge, making fun of all the Utah fans who, when their team would fall short of their ultimate goal, which is winning football games and conference championships, you know, wearing the Pac-12 t-shirts, putting a Pac-12 insignia on the back of your card. So, like, to me, conference affiliation, it's not just behind, like, team affiliation. It's, like, sixth. To me, the most important is... What do you do on the field? And especially against your rival, we can compare who's got the bigger budgets or who's got the better recruiting staff or who's got, heck, we could talk about our success in men's and women's cross country, but we all know what rules. And it is who wins that game, who wins the Holy War year in, year out. And unfortunately, the recent string of luck for BYU hasn't been so good. So I want to turn those favors and get it back, get the momentum going back in BYU's side. Okay, Riley, Utah is a seven-point favorite coming into Provo. Not a shocker. They're ranked number 18 in the coaches' poll, number 21 in the AP poll. According to most experts, they're supposed to win this game. So the big question for BYU is, aside from scoring more points, how do the Cougars flip the script and end the nine-game losing streak? What's the key? The key is to not allow them to have any big deflationary play, right? I think back to the the first game ever called was BYU-Utah. It was week one. It was 2019. And in that game, you know, BYU goes for it early on fourth and they score first and then they stop Utah on fourth down. And then all of a sudden, Zach gets tripped up as he's falling down. He tries to check it down. Francis Bernard, a former Cougar, by the way, steps in front of the pass, runs it back for a pick six early on in the second quarter. All the air came out of the stadium. And it was from that point, it was like, here we go again. And whether it was, you know, whether it was all the turnovers, and I believe that was like the 2016 game or the starting off the Vegas Bowl matchup, right, with five turnovers in the first half or going back to my year, it's a a miss back all the way to 2012 where an errant, a miscommunication, a snap goes overhead that they pick up and run for the touchdown. If we can just like, avoid the catastrophic deflating the plays that deflate the team or sorry, that deflate the fans and deflate the stadium. That's step number one. And to your point, Jaron, I know that sounds like a defense mechanism, but that to me has been the difference in games is big, huge momentum swinging plays that either get rice Eccles completely jazzed up or get Lavelle Edwards stadium completely, you know, deflated. Avoid that, number one. And then the second is it doesn't need to happen in all three phases, but it needs to happen in one phase. BYU needs to get one of those plays on their side, meaning we need a defense, special teams, or offensive play that just gets fans out of their seats, gets the gets the stadium rocking, gets everybody in the stadium believing. Look, the players believe no matter what. As a player on the sideline, you believe you're in there, you're fighting. But I'd be lying if I didn't say it doesn't help when – it is palpable when the stadium believes it too. It's also palpable when you're doing your best to believe things aren't going your way and you can feel that the 65,000 there supporting you in your own home stadium, they're there and they're going to cheer and their support, but they don't really believe you can get it done. That is a palpable change. So I know I'm talking about like the environment, a lot of intangibles and a lot of things that aren't really quantifiable, but I'm, I'm here to tell you they are real And if BYU can control those or get those elements of this football game going in their favor, I like their chances. That's a really interesting point because I think in 2018, we felt like, oh, BYU's up 27 to 7 uh, with 16 minutes to go. 
this is ending. So even if BYU gets a lead, I think we're still a little hesitant to be like, hey, you still got to finish, still got to finish, right? This isn't over. Um, and then I want to ask you about that part too. As the players, Kalani Sataki has done a nice job, Aaron Roderick as well this week, of saying, listen, most of our guys have played in one or two of these games. They didn't play last year, and our seniors you know, haven't played them four times. They've played them two or three. Is BYU playing the Utes and history here, or how as a, a player – can you possibly avoid the weight of the streak? You cannot. In my opinion, you have to embrace it. They are, that was very well said. They are playing history. They are playing a history that I'll admit. So it's interesting. Back when I was there from 09 to 12, we were playing against history as well. However, it was more favorable history. Obviously, you know, Irvin Meyer came in and there was that, but then John Beck clawed it back in 06. We had the recent history when I joined the program in, in 09, things did not go well in 08, but you, but it didn't matter that that game in, in Rice Echo Stadium in 08 got really ugly because you had fourth and 18 in 2007 and you had Beck to Harleen in 2006, right? And even though prior to that, you had some, you know, you had the Urban Meyer where it wasn't as good, but even back, it was still recent memory that Lavelle's last game with, you know, Doman on the quarterback sneak. So you had all this positive mojo that was within a decade of you playing them that you could, that you could rely on and help generate you. These guys have none. They have no ammunition going back more than a decade. And so they are playing against history, but rather than that should not be something that causes nerves. It should not be something that, makes them less confident. If anything else, it should be more motivating. If I'm on this team in 2021 and I'm a leader and I'm, I'm trying to help craft a narrative for my teammates, it's that, Hey, we get to be the team that everybody will remember that broke the nine and oh, that right before we went into a two year hiatus and an uncertain future with, you know, going separate conference ways, we stopped the bleeding and got things rolling back in BYU's. We will be remembered forever as that team, as opposed to, you know, back when I was playing, we remember still the 09 and the 07, but there wasn't the level of desperation. The level of desperation has risen so high that if this team can get it done this year, they will be remembered in the annals of history uh, in regards to this rivalry forever. Clip this off, play it for the team, play that part, that That's answer amazing. for the team today, <laughs> because it's so true. They can be the team that ended the streak. Like, this, this team in, in BYU history may be remembered as one of the last independent teams or something. I don't know. They, they feel like a team that has a tough schedule. And who knows? In the bigger sphere of things, they might not be remembered for the whole season. We'll see if they do something that we remember. But they, if they win this game, they're remembered forever. They'll be remembered forever. That's a great point. Riley Nelson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, Riley, you talked about the atmosphere, changing things, getting the fans wild and raucous in Provo helping them keep the foot on the gas. That absolutely is a major factor. In terms of matchups on the field, where does BYU have an advantage, if at all, against Utah? It was funny, right before you went into break, Jerem was talking about no defense ever says, let's go out and play passive. We want, But, I mean, you kind of got that sense. You got the sense that the defensive strategy against Arizona, obviously they didn't pose – a very as big of a threat, or at least it didn't seem like BYU thought they posed as big as a threat because they were content to let Gunnar Cruz throw the ball into the flats to wide open guys, have them catch it at four, you know, fall forward for three, and they were banking on the fact that Arizona would not be disciplined enough 
to continue to go to that well. Well, it ended up that Gunnar Cruz threw for 340, uh, but it, so you gave up yards, you gave up some touchdowns, you maybe let him creep back into the game, and the, although I would argue that that game was never in jeopardy despite some tense moments um, in the second half. And he eventually, they, they were proved right. Coach Satake or Coach Tuiaki, it proved right because when they were coming in and they needed a score, they got impatient, they forced the ball in the end zone, and it was picked off in a big time, in a big way that sealed the game for BYU, eventually led to BYU being able to seal the game. Against Utah, I like that same approach in the passing game. Force Charlie Brewer, who's a guy that likes to push the ball down the field. He likes to get big chunks with his arm. He was used to doing it under Matt Rule at Baylor. You saw him try, you know, try. they're trying to do a little bit of that, even though it's against Ludwig and, and Whittingham's nature. They let him push the ball on some deep crossers, and he threw a couple you know, 50-50 balls down the field. But the key, so I'm okay with them in obvious passing situations, playing bend, don't break. But in the run game, they cannot let them get momentum. If if defensively BYU allows Utah to get momentum in the run game, then then it's going to be tough because then they can have their pick. That's Weber State stayed in that football game by – uh, what's the word tampering or, or keeping their effective Utah's effectiveness in the run game down. Once Utah was able to get momentum in the run game, then it all opened up. And that's why they, how the game got away from Weber state. Don't get BYU is on a different, you know, they're on a different level than Weber state. So I'm not comparing them, but I'm comparing, you know, strategy to strategy. So they have to be aggressive in stopping the run. And I think they can get away with Ben don't break uh, in the past game. So there's on that matchup offensive to defensively. You know, I think Jaron is trying to be smart. Obviously, the history, it's not its not distant history of those mistakes that he suffered, both when he got out and ran against South Florida and Utah State. But there were a lot of opportunities where he could have hurt Arizona even more than he did with his legs. And now, you probably don't need Jaron to rush for 80 yards to beat Arizona. In fact, we saw that you didn't need that. But against Utah, if those opportunities are there, meaning if they don't spy Jaron or if they don't, if you don't force Utah into a position to have to bring an extra defender out of coverage and into the box to help defend against quarterback run, then to me, that will be a huge missed opportunity. So said shortly, the matchup that I'm most excited for BYU is the QB run game, whether it's designed or whether it's scramble, because that's going to put immense pressure on what is a pretty good Utah defense. I think uh, Utah is going to come up. I think they feel confident in playing man coverage, which is going to allow them to put an extra man in the box against uh, Tyler Algier, who I know that they feel is a significant threat. The way you take some of the pressure off Tyler Algier and as a quarterback, you create more opportunities for you in the pass game. If you have the skill, like Jaron Hall has the skill of using your legs, you get out and do it. Riley, great stuff. What a preview of BYU-Utah, as Jerem said. Clip off that motivational moment. Go. Play it for all the fans. Play it for all the, all the players, and let's go. Great to talk with you, man. Thanks so much. Not just another game, fellas. We've got to get it done this year. Here we go. All right, here's to ending the streak. Riley Nelson with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Jets' captains uh, have just been named. Zach Wilson's one of them. Oh. As a rookie. Zach Wilson is a captain. Pretty good. How about that? That's crazy. Hmm. Wasn't that a criticism that he... Well, Wasn't when, captain when you're named the starter, you end up being a captain. It's crazy. Sure you do. Coming up, did Kalani Satake already call a shot? And does the Pac-12 brass deserve credit for recent BYU success? I wonder what her answer will be. This is BYU Sports Nation. Defensively, we need to lay back. We're just going to be passive. 
This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. On this week's Deep Blue Podcast, I talk with Chad Lewis about the 96 Cotton Bowl team, his experiences in China and Mount Kilimanjaro, the NFL with Andy Reid, Lavelle Edwards, and much more. Listen to Deep Blue, where podcasts are found and on the BYU Radio app. Fun Utah, BYU tie-in, Chad's older brother played at Utah, and Chad said that made me believe that I could possibly play college football. Ooh. He walks on at BYU, he's on the track team. And then he tries out for Norm Chow and then gets a scholarship before that fall even. And then obviously becomes one of the best tight ends of BYU history. It was a pretty fun conversation. Chad has a very strong emotional tie to the rivalry. Remember a few years back when he said, I was a freshman. Utah was trying to bring down the field goal post. And I was like, no, this is not happening on our field. And he ran into the sea of red. (laughs) And Utah players who were trying to tear down the field goal post. Was it 93? Yes. I know I'm not having this. Yeah. Skinny Freshman yep. walk-on Chad Lewis. <laughs> that guy gets That's it. That's great. All right. Uh, again, this is BYU Sports Nation, your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. A reminder, if you'd like to interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, you can always follow our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Are you big on the TikTok yet? Uh, I try to avoid it because if I start watching, it's going to be a minimum of 30 minutes. It's a black hole, my isn't it? My wife's like an hour or two a day on TikTok. It's a right black now. hole. Yeah. I watch like, oh, I just want to go watch some funny impersonations. A black an hole. An hour later. Awesome. Uh, it's awesome, though. Yes, it is. Yeah. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Ramp presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. That's not on BYU football's Klein Stake. I ever heard of it. The coach was asked what his favorite rivalry moments were as a fan, player, and coach. As a fan, probably one of the times that Ty Detmer was playing or when Steve Young or Robbie. That's when I was really a young kid. Um, because I, I love watching Lakehi Moody run the ball too. Um, that kind of got me interested in wanting to be a running back. And then as a player, Lavelle's last game, um, that, that was that was memorable for me as a captain and that was my last game you know, as a college player and, and as a coach this Saturday. Okay, then. Uh-huh. Did he just call a shot? I don't think he called a shot as much as <laughs> that's the only answer because he, he hasn't, hasn't enjoyed won. victory. If Taysom hit, if Jamal Williams doesn't get hurt in 2016 and he's in on that play, the two-point conversion, maybe it's that play. 2016. Yeah. That's the only answer available for Kalani Satake in that yes. moment. Yes. Is upcoming. So that was the correct prop- – Proper answer, not so much calling a shot, I, I, but I he, he answered that perfectly. Fun context, you mentioned Lake Himuli and making him want to be a running back. Lake's kid, Hema, is the producer. He's of producing the show. show. That's pretty cool. Love that. All right, Jerem. In ESPN's NFL team previews, their bold predictions included, yes. Zach Wilson will be the first New York Jets quarterback since Joe Namath to throw for 4,000 yards. Whoa. Is that too bold? No. Um, 12 players did it in 16 games last year. 16 of them had 3,800 through 16 games. So it's reasonable to think that 16, half the league starting quarterbacks could do it. Do we feel like Zach is in the upper half of passers? Hopefully he is. I don't think it's crazy. I think it's possible. 17-game season now. Yeah. If he's healthy and plays in every game, I think that's possible. That's 235 a game. Exactly. That's not a massive number. It's not even 250. Can Zach Wilson... Average 235 a game. The answer is yes, even for the lowly Jets. It's not too bold. 
The coaches poll ranks BYU seven spots higher than the AP poll. Are we now bigger fans of the SID poll, a.k.a. the coaches poll? As much as I want to say yes, <laughs> no. No. We are fans no. of the Associated Press poll. Yes. They carry the credence. They, then, they carry the yeah. details. We think the writers pay more attention. Yes. Um, and then there's the college football, uh, the official you know, college football playoff poll. Now, we loved, I loved this one until last year. When BYU showed up at 14th in the first one, it was like, excuse me? That was the worst. Yeah, that was terrible. So I'm not sure. I think I'm just AP poll all the way now. Question yeah, we're, we're in on the AP poll. Yeah. And also, you know the, big, really and also the Big 12 standings. <laughs> yeah. I'm really in on the UPI, but it just went away a long time hey, ago. The UPI. United Press International, is that what it is? BYU were the UPI national champions in 1984. Well, they were everybody's Along with the champion. AP and everything else. There, you can go look at the trophy in the SAP. Jerem, does Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov deserve more credit for the record crowd in Las Vegas on Saturday? Or does he deserve credit for getting BYU into the Big 12? Listen to this statement. Listen to this statement. Said Klyovkov, when we moved very quickly to make our decision about whether or not to add teams to the Pac-12 and then to very quickly announce the alliance, one of the reasons why we moved so swiftly was that we thought it would give some immediate balance to the Big 12. Okay, Sith. And allow them to proceed with whatever they needed to do because we felt the vibrations that was going the through, vibrations. through college athletics after <laughs> it was announced that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC was not good for college athletics. Should BYU thank the Pac-12? For nothing. Yeah. I'd like to thank, I'd like to apologize to absolutely no one. You know what I mean? Wait, what did you do again? Our decision about whether or not to add teams. You didn't add teams. You formed the alliance. Sorry, what is the alliance again? I know you had a preference conference. I still don't know what it is. Just to create games in the preseason? You didn't do anything. You deserve no credit. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Did he have anything to do with getting over 40,000 BYU fans to Las Vegas? No. Again, you should have told Arizona it was a basketball game. Maybe they would have showed up. Look at all those BYU fans. This was a spiritual experience. Thanks, Kamish. On Saturday. It was amazing. Now It was amazing. I will say this. The decision by the Pac-12 not to expand was a positive domino for BYU to get into the Big 12. Yes. Yeah. But you can't credit directly. Omissively. The commissioner. Oh, omissively. Good job. You didn't do a thing. <laughs> How often are we crediting people? You didn't do a thing. Good job. Coming up, Steve Young talks about the rivalry on SportsCenter. He called the shot. Plus, another emotional, moving edition of Deep Blue, this time featuring BYU fullback Mason Wake. He's gone through a lot of stuff. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. If you missed it, BYU Football Clones Take aired last night. It's on demand on the BYU TV app. Uh, Clark Barrington in the house, Neil Pau in the film room, Kalani Sitake talking about the Arizona game and the Utah game, catching on the BYU TV app on demand. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. We approach Rivalry Week, BYU and Utah, and we do so with another fantastic edition of Deep Blue. Last season, BYU fullback Mason Wake literally leaped onto the scene, hurtling defenders, scoring touchdowns, but perhaps he's best known for a special moment to honor his mom, at Houston after a momentous touchdown catch from Zach Wilson. This is Deep Blue featuring Mason Wake, presented by Brady Industries, Simply Better. It has been a very interesting life. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, there's been a lot of really hard things. Like our parents got divorced, and then my mom got cancer. She had cancer for three years, and then she passed away. I mean, he lost his mom. It's so sad, and I think we really just had to cling to each other, like as a family and as siblings, like just kind of picking each other up when we were having hard days and things like that. Having to just grow up from such a young age, like doing my laundry, cooking my food at night, and like trying to get a job just to help out my dad as much as I can. But like that just made me who I am today, and like it just made me grow up as a man at such, such a young age. I know it was hard on him, and it still is, you know, to this day. But uh, he loves his mom and would. He would do. anything just have have another day with her my mom was the best she was so fun and she just loved all of us she wanted to take every moment with us and a lot of that looking back on pictures and memories and stuff was with mason because he was a baby it was a really special relationship sometimes it's hard for me to remember some things but I mean, since I was the baby of the family, like, I remember some things and just, like, me and her were super close, but I feel like even now that we're even closer. I think she's behind every decision that he makes because he he wants to make her proud, and I think he puts everything out there, and not even just football, but everything he does because he wants to be his best self and just really live life, and I'm I'm sure it's because of her. Right when it happened, like, I just had so many people asking me questions, like, how I am. So I just kind of, like, kept it inside. Like, I just wanted to keep it between me and her. But I still wanted to show that I love her. And high school was kind of subtle with, like, little things. Like, after I'd score a touchdown, I'd just point up to the sky. Well, it can be dangerous. That's Algier in motion into the backfield. Wilson. told me, he's like, Coach, I want to do this and, and honor my mom. I said, perfect. Go do it. Get in the end zone and, and let's see it when you when you pull that shirt down and you, you honor your mom that way. I think that'd be something really cool. I just wanted to get the word out there and just show how much she means to me and that I love her each and every day and like I try to make her proud. And it was uh, kind of an emotional moment for him and for the Titans in the room because we know how much his mom means to him. To see him on the field, I feel super proud because I know he's worked so hard. That first time that I saw him run out on the field at the Tennessee game, I, I, I literally lost it. I started, you know, start crying, and I was just so proud of him. Sometimes, like, when I do things, like, he's even, like, more proud. Like, he's more excited. I'm like, how are you more excited than me? Like, I just scored my first touchdown, and he's, like, crying and, like, calling me after the games. Like, I knew this was this would happen. From, like, those little peewee days, like, when he's just teeny tiny and it, you can't even believe that they can carry the pads themselves because he's so small. And then now he's playing for BYU, which is just a dream come true for him, just to play at the college level. And it's it's really cool, and it makes me feel really proud and really emotional that he's come so far because he's worked really, really hard for it. 
My dad just challenged me to run hills every day, to lift every single day, like to put lifting over hanging out with friends or doing other things. Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money, and I just felt like I had to do it. I took that seriously, and that's why I felt like I did all I could, and I still wasn't on scholarship, but I took it to heart. I need this for me. I need to be on scholarship just to like help out with my family. That was just my driving force to earn that scholarship. When a scholarship opened up, it was easy to see that he's a guy that deserved it. One day, I just remember him saying that I'm on scholarship, and like I just like went and sat in my car, and I just felt like this weight lifted off my shoulders to not have to worry about all that other stuff. He earned a he earned a scholarship by what he did um, on the field, so I'm pretty sure she's she's proud of what he's doing. It's just the beginning, you know. I mean, you're living out your dream, you're living out my dream, and it's been. Fun to share it with you. What a story from Mason Wake. And Jeremy mentioned to me when you first saw that T-shirt come out from underneath the jersey in that uh, remarkable win against Houston, you felt like there was much more there. I didn't know what the story was, but I wanted to know it. So um, super happy to, to be a part of telling it, right? And Mason's a cool dude, and he's gone through a lot. And uh, it's been fun, uh, you know, here in year three of Deep Blue, I really feel like we're every week just just uh, able to tell these stories in, a, in an amazing way. And these, this is part of the reason I really like this job. Obviously, we get a cover of UI Sports. What an amazing opportunity to be a part of this with you. We feel connected with you. But it's we're, we're able to tell the stories. We're storytellers of these athletes and coaches who are so incredible and fans. Um, to be able to tell those is special, and Mason's a special guy. So now when you watch Mason Wake, you have a different relationship with him when you watch him play on Saturdays because you know what he's gone through. You know what that human experience has been like for him. That we've, we've all, We all go through things, some re- harder than others, right? Mason's gone through some hard things. And not only gone through them, but just, I mean, traversed like an incredible amount of courage as a young, young kid. Yes. You have to deal with that. And yeah. just understand, like, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to help my dad and my family, and I'm going to work hard. And that was, it's inspiring. And yes. I love these stories. Atunaisamahe from last week. It's like the dude had a blood clot that he feels like was so he could be with his dad before he died. Then it goes away after his dad dies. What? That's incredible. So, yeah, we're, we're here to tell these stories. So props to these guys for. Uh, traversing through this. And they're not always done traversing. Like It's not like, yep, I'm good, check. No, he deals with that every day. Yes, still in the middle of the journey. He's still in the middle of it. He's still hiking, right? You know, sometimes you get to the top and you can look down. But a lot of us are in the middle of that hike. So uh, props to Mason. Super excited about him. Um, next week, Chaz Ayu. Yeah, we can't his, wait to show you what's still his, coming. His pursuit of his identity. Great stuff. Yep. All right, let's keep it rolling. Okay, coming up, who gets today's rise and shout-out? Steve Young jumps in on the rivalry smack talk on the worldwide leader. Of course he did. What did he say? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, has the news of potential or imminent Big 12 expansion and the pending two-year hiatus for BYU and Utah affected the way you feel about the rivalry game this year? Chase Cole on Instagram answers, 
I'm not as worked up about the in-state game as I usually am. <laughs> if BYU loses, whatever. BYU will still have the Big 12 news to cheer about. If BYU wins, it'll be one of the greatest weekends in recent BYU football history. I'm not whatever, but I'm closer to that, op- that opinion than I want to admit. It's interesting to hear the former players because David Nixon, and we just heard Riley Nelson today, feel very yes, strongly yes. that BYU has to win this but game. Players typically, even now, they still have the sort of focus and myopic view to stay in that moment for that game, right? Because they had been trained to do so, right? The view of the general and the soldier are different. The view of the civilian and the soldier and the general are different, right? In how they approach that thing. That's, I think, where we're coming from with this. Yeah. At Crispy Nick on Twitter. Crispy Nick. That's great. Does a tall, cold chocolate milk make you feel better after a hard day? Heck yes. Getting into the Big 12 would soften the blow of a loss significantly. Is that what it is? Chocolate milk? I like it. It's a cold, tall glass of chocolate I milk. I need a cold one. A uh, milk, that is. The comfort. It's the comfort <laughs> blanket of Power 5 inclusion. If BYU loses the game. And I hate to even say if, right? Yeah. Our, our elite voice of the day. Presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Todd Knopp on Facebook. Yes, I'm having much more trouble focusing on my relevant life outside of Saturday's football game. My life's irrelevant uh, this week compared to BYU-Utah. Let's go. Today's rise and shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It goes to our guy Steve Young. Calling a shot on SportsCenter, and I quote Jerem, we're going to end the drought, speaking of BYU. Utah was afraid last year because they were afraid of Zach Wilson. Now that Zach's gone, Utah's going to play us again. I still pick BYU, end quote. Not exactly uh, accurate, Steve, but I do love you. Uh, by the way, Billy Nixon just tweeted out, BYU has a flag um, honoring Ty Jordan right now. So I wonder if they're going to run out with the tennis. Love that. Yeah, very cool. Yep. Our thanks to today's guest, Riley Nelson. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time, bro. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Harvey Unga. See you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Rivalry week. Big 12 week. Go Cougs.